preaching text today is from Matthew 21 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for the usual daily wage, he sent them into, the vine into his vineyard. When he went out at about nine o'clock, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you also go into the vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. When he went out again about noon and about three o'clock, he did the same. And at about five o'clock, he went out and found, found others standing around, and he said to them, why are you standing idle here all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you also go into the vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his manager, call the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and going to the first. When those hired about five o'clock came, each of them received the usual daily wage. Now when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received the usual daily wage. And when they received it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last worked only an hour, and you have, paid, you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give this last the same as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Generous God, be generous with your word to us this day. Open our hearts to receive the riches you have for us and to carry them out to where you lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Our reading today comes at a transition point in Matthew's gospel. So Jesus, up until this point in Matthew, has been doing all of his ministry up in the north, in Galilee. So if you think of Israel as this long and fairly narrow uh, country, not all that large of an area, maybe a hundred miles uh, top to bottom, uh, something like the distance between Yakima and Tri-Cities, honestly, like this region is about what we're talking about. Well, Jesus has been in the north in Galilee. And this is where Nazareth is, uh, where he grew up. This is where Capernaum is, where he makes his home. This is where the Sea of Galilee is, where he walks on water and Peter goes out of the boat uh, to join him uh, somewhat unsuccessfully, as we heard a few weeks ago. All of his work so far that Matthew has told us about has taken place in Galilee until today. Our reading today is the first now when Jesus is out of Galilee. He has moved south to Judea, not quite into Judea, but on the outskirts. He's across the Jordan River. He's, he's sort of out in the wilderness a little bit, but he's making his way down to, to Judea. Now, Judea is where Jerusalem is. Judea is where Bethlehem is. Judea is where Jericho is. Galilee is sort of the backwaters of Israel, but now he's moving into the heart of Israel. 
This is where the temple is, of course, the heart of Israel's worship. And on his way down to Jerusalem now for his final trip to Jerusalem, for this is when he will be crucified. In fact, the very next uh, chapter after this one is Jesus uh, entering on Palm Sunday. He pauses and he does some teaching out here. First, some Pharisees come to him. And the Pharisees ask him uh, about marriage and divorce. And Jesus responds to them that marriage, uh, neither marriage nor divorce, are quite as light a thing as they seem to think. And he responds in part, uh, what God has joined together, let no one separate. After this, then some children come to Jesus, and the disciples try and keep the children away. You remember this story. They think that Jesus is too busy or too important to have children come to him in order to be blessed. But Jesus responds, let the children come to me. It is to such as these that the kingdom of heaven belongs. After the children come to him, then a rich young man comes to him. And this rich young man comes to him with a question. What must I do to inherit eternal life? He says, I've done all of the commandments. I've, I've kept all of the Ten Commandments. I've done everything I'm supposed to do. Jesus says, you've done well, but there's one thing you lack. Perhaps you remember this one. Go, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, then come and follow me. And the young man goes away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then, after all of this, Jesus' disciples come to him. And Peter, perhaps uh, inspired by the fact that he and his fellow disciples have left everything to come and follow Jesus, asks what their reward will be. Peter says, look, we've left everything and followed you. What then will we have? And Jesus answers him in sort of a twofold way. His answer is something of a double-edged response. Well, he says, anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or fields for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But then he says, but many who are first will be last and the last will be first. And immediately he goes into our parable, our reading for today. Now, this parable is probably familiar. In fact, uh, it's in, if you read it in a little older translation than we did, instead of saying things like 9 o'clock and noon and 3 o'clock, it says the first hour, the third hour, the sixth hour, uh, and then the last are being uh, hired uh, at the 11th hour of daylight. This is actually where that saying, the 11th hour, the kind of last minute comes, uh, comes from in this parable. But it's a fairly familiar parable, right? There's a, there's a vineyard owner. Uh, there's some work that needs to be done in his vineyard. I don't know if it's pruning or if it's harvest or what time of year it is exactly. And he needs to go out and hire some workers to get this work done. Uh, some of you have some experience uh, with this kind of work and know what it is to hire uh, laborers to come in and uh, pick the grapes uh, before they go bad on the vine, for example. Uh, and so he goes out first thing in the morning, you know, 6 a.m., right when the sun rises, and he goes out to the marketplace. Now, the normal way that uh, laborers would be hired is they'd stand out in the market in the public square, and they'd wait for someone to come in with work for them. You know, they're basically holding a sign saying, uh, willing to work and looking for a job. And so people who had work to do, vineyard owners, would come, and they'd find someone, and they'd hire them, and they'd, they'd send them out and then pay them at the end of the day. There's no long-term employment. It's just uh, sort of day laboring. 
So he comes out at the first thing in the morning and he finds some and he sends them into his field and uh, into his vineyard rather. And they do some negotiating about uh, their salary, what the daily wage will be. And they settle on a denarius, which is a typical daily wage for a laborer. And they go out and they begin to work. Well, after a few hours go by, uh, it's now maybe around nine o'clock, the third hour, it says, uh, this work seems to be too much for the amount of laborers that he's hired. Uh, some of you maybe also have this experience of having uh, not quite enough pickers to do the picking that you need done. And so he goes out to find some more folks and he goes out at nine o'clock in the morning and he finds some more and he says, go, go into my vineyard and, uh, and I will pay you whatever is right. Then he goes out again about noon, apparently the same problem, and he finds even more. He says, why are you standing here idle? They say, well, nobody's hired us. He says, well, go, go into my vineyard and get some work done. He does it again at three o'clock. He does it again at five o'clock. And then finally, the day ends, and it's the time for work is done, and it's time to now settle accounts. It's time to pay all of these laborers that he has hired throughout the day. And he does it in a bit of a strange way. He organizes it so that uh, those who came last will be the first to be paid. So those who have only been there an hour or so, who came at the 11th hour, those are going to be first in line to get paid, followed by those who came at the 9th hour, and then the 6th, and then the 3rd, and then those who were there from the very beginning of the day. And when those who have only been there an hour come to get paid, he gives them a denarius, he gives them a full day's wages, the same amount that he had negotiated with that first group. And surely they are happy with that. Mostly they stood around in the market all day. In fact, if they could have potentially worked for someone part of the day, gotten paid, and then come back, and then gotten a full day's wage out of this uh, vineyard owner, I'm sure they were quite happy. And then as they go on, the next group comes and they also get a denarius. And then the next group comes and they also get a denarius. And the next group comes and they also get a denarius. And finally he comes to those who have been with him the entire day. Those who have labored through the heat of the day. Who have done all of the hardest work. And of course they're excited. Right? They know that they deserve more than everyone else who has already been paid. And even though they agreed for a denarius and were happy to work for a denarius... They know they're going to get more. They're just sure of it. Yet when this vineyard owner gives a denarius to them, they are upset. They are angry. And they argue with the vineyard owner saying, uh, you have made them equal with us. We put in all the work. We've been here the entire day. We've worked 12 hours for you. And yet you've made those who were here for just one hour, who knows, maybe they overslept, they just didn't get out on time. You've made them equal with us in payment. And I love the vineyard owner's response here. He says, am I not allowed to do what I choose with what is mine? Or are you envious, literally in Greek, is your eye evil? because I am generous. Then Jesus ends this lesson to his disciples with that saying by repeating himself, those who are uh, first will be last and the last will be first. Now we're not told in Matthew what the disciples' reaction to this story is. It moves on. Jesus starts talking about what he's going to do in Jerusalem, about how he is going to be handed over and crucified. 
We don't get the, uh, the disciples' reaction here, but I can't imagine they felt all that pleased with this parable. I mean, from Peter's perspective, he and his fellow disciples are the workers who were there from the first hour. They've been with Jesus from the very beginning of his ministry. They were uh, all about with him in Galilee. Jesus even, or uh, Peter rather, even jumped out of that boat uh, to walk on water with Jesus. They have been there. They have experienced the hardships. Uh, they have given up everything uh, that, they, uh, that they had, left their homes, left their livelihood, left their families for Jesus. Whereas some of these other folks, the crowds, for example, that in just uh, another chapter will be welcoming Jesus into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday, Hosanna in the highest, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord, they are those who have only been there since the 11th hour. They just showed up right as Jesus arrived in Jerusalem. They missed that whole uh, three years of ministry up in Galilee. So this idea that there is no special reward... For those who have been working all day, this idea that Jesus might make them, the 11th hour workers, equal to his disciples, the first hour workers, well, it's a bit offensive for them, I could imagine. And the vineyard owner's response, am I not free to do what I choose with what belongs to me, might sound a bit like an accusation, especially with that second part, or are you envious because I am generous? I mean, that is the accusation because we are envious that God is generous. As much as we like to claim otherwise, it does bother us that God makes others equal to us. Especially when those others seem to deserve it so much less than we do, seem to put in so much less work, so much less commitment than we do. And yet God, at least in terms of eternal life, seems to have made them, whoever they are, equal with us. And for that matter, it also offends us that God doesn't seem to treat everyone equally here and now. God is fair, sort of, equal in terms of eternal life, but doesn't seem to treat us all equally here and now in this life. Some of us suffer much more than others. Some of us have much more than others. Some of us have to work much harder than others. And it just doesn't seem fair that some of us suffer more than others. Yet God does what he chooses with what belongs to him. And whether we like it or not, and most of the time we do not, he is right to do so. We act as though God owes us something, as though if we are faithful enough or, uh, or self-controlled enough or, or spiritual enough, God will be bound to reward us. He'll just have to reward us. He'll owe it to us. And yet time and time again, we are disappointed. In fact, it turns out that God doesn't give us what we deserve at all. Rather than paying us the wages that we deserve, God does what he wants with what, his, what belongs to him. That is, God takes his wealth, his abundance, his overwhelming life, 
and he gives it to sinners. Sinners that he has made his own. So rather than the death forever, which as Paul tells us is the wages of our sin, rather than the wages that we deserve, God generally, generously gives us life. Now, the problem with us sinners, of course, is that even uh, we find uh, reasons to grumble at this, uh, at this generosity of God, especially when we see this generosity poured out on others, especially us sinners who arrived at the first hour. For we want to prize over those who come at the last hour. But this is the truth. Whether you are the first or at the last, what you deserve is not reward but death. Now, perhaps you don't deserve it as much as some others, but it seems like a bit of an academic exercise to say who deserves death more. Death, after all, is death. But what has God just decided to pay? What is the wages God has decided to give? God has chosen to pour out mercy upon us sinners who deserve death, to make you a promise that on behalf of Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven. God indeed does as he pleases with what belongs to him. And it has pleased him to give you abundant life. Amen.